Welcome everyone to episode 20, I believe, of Wrestling Is Cool. We're almost able to legally drink in the United States of America. I am here with veteran wrestling content creator, Suplex. We're gonna get to him in just a second. Before we do so, I wanna remind you that if you're listening to this on free feeds, like on YouTube, on Spotify, Apple, whatever it might be, thank you for your support, but you can be getting this three days earlier over on patreon.com slash app alongside my Raw reviews, SmackDown reviews, NXT reviews, monthly mailbags, and like I said, this episode of Wrestling Is Cool, Three days early. That is enough shilling out. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Suplex in the building. My man, how are you? Oh, what's going on, Sati? I'm not going to lie. You saying veteran wrestling creator. I'm like, wait a minute. I... You are. Part, um, part of me was, I'm like, I feel kind of old being called a veteran. You are, though. <laughs> by the definition of how old this landscape is, you are a veteran content creator. You've been doing shit. it longer than me when it comes to wrestling. <laughs> Sorry to be the one to break it to you, oldie. Oh. But this is this is the landscape that you're a part of now, man. You're you're old man Logan. Oh, my God. You know, no, that's the first time anyone's ever called me that. So, like, it hit me like, wait, veteran? What? <laughs> uh, how long have you been doing this for? Uh, well, you know what? When I say 13 years, I guess that technically makes you a fucking veteran because I start. Oh, I don't know. Am I allowed to curse when you're. Oh, still? buddy, I... fucking swear. Okay. <laughs> my, I, just, All good. I just put out the F word. I'm like, wait, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, yeah no, you're good. Uh, you're good. Yeah. Uh, I started doing content creation in 2011 back when I was in like freshman year of high school and I was just doing like vlog type videos whatever i wanted to do because you know back in 2011 there was shane dawson and smosh and pewdiepie and dashy games and i just saw people like oh i'm gonna do that too that looks very cool i never thought my mind about it being like a full-time thing or anything i just started doing it you know and then two years after that i met one of my uh longtime friends and we kind of made this commitment like yeah we're gonna be content creators they're gonna be influ well not influencers that wasn't a term yet but we're gonna be like youtubers when we grow up and we're like yeah let's do it and we don't really talk much anymore we don't we went on our own separate journeys or whatnot but you know ever since 2013 i'm just like yeah i want to just keep doing this and then 2015 is when i really actually started doing wrestling content on youtube you can go back to the suplex youtube channel and click oldest you'll see like some videos on there not generally good videos but i was doing wrestling content almost 10 years ago which is crazy to think about and you know now we're nine years in the future 2024 and i'm being approached like almost every five to ten minutes at the Royal Rumble. people saying, oh yo it's suplex like and it's so surreal to me that people actually not only watch my content but like are either inspired or entertained enough to actually like want to actually talk or interact or want a picture with me it's like wow what's going on here yeah so that 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 bit is just so awesome and it also brings me a lot of um What's what I'm looking for? I, I want to say it brings me a lot of motivation and hope for other content creators that are coming after me. Like, yeah, I think I would like to think that I'm setting them up in a good way with what I'm putting out, with your putting out, what a lot of the content creators in this field of wrestling are doing right now. So yeah, I'm happy for the future, if that makes sense. And then there is a lot of future. Um, you know, when you compare this space of wrestling content creation, compare it to gaming, compare it to comedy skits. This is it's this is still in its infancy. It's still brand new. The yeah. the people that are around right now making content for uh, when it comes to professional wrestling, 
kind of the trailblazers because I know that this is going to continue to get even bigger. Professional wrestling, when it hits Netflix, I'm telling you, is going to blow up even more. Uh, some people didn't really read between the lines when it comes to the Netflix deal. Raw being exclusive to Netflix is only a U.S. thing. Outside of the U.S., all of WWE is on Netflix. Here in Canada, all WWE television is on Netflix and other parts of the world as well. Wrestling is going to grow like weeds and I cannot wait for it. Zuplex, uh, I'm sure you're not really surprised by this question. The podcast is called Wrestling is Cool. And the reason I called it Wrestling is Cool is because anytime I tried to explain professional wrestling to somebody, it always boiled down to me always saying, it's just cool. So professional wrestling, in my opinion, is cool. And I'm sure you believe that it's cool as well. And I want to give you the floor to tell the viewers, the listeners, why you believe that professional wrestling is cool. Well, I think wrestling is cool for a multitude of reasons. Uh, the first being is that it's this perfect blend of sport and art. Uh, for me, growing up, I loved watching TV shows and movies and just loved watching any medium that involved acting and storytelling. And wrestling is just this unique medium where it combines that acting that you would get from a televised, a weekly televised show and combines that with the athleticism of sports. And it's just not anything else that's being done in this space in really any type of way. I mean, if you're watching the NFL or the NBA, yeah, you have, you're able to root for a team and get behind them, but unless you're really following the stats of these people, like there's not really a story to, no, not obviously we all know the NFL scripted to it. We degree. know that. Yeah, like, of we, course. Yeah, exactly. We all know everything is scripted. Hey, hang on. on. NBA player, Twitter. That's pretty good too. If you're that deep into the NBA and you follow individual players on Twitter, you can get some pretty good storylines out of that. Never forget the Kevin Durant burner uh, storyline. That story arc, one of the goaded storylines in NBA history. Listen, everything that is televised is scripted. Wrestling just gets more of a knack for it because I guess in a sense, it's pretending to be a sport. It's pretending to be something that it's not. When in actuality, it's being its authentic self. Professional wrestling is a lot of things, but I think at its very core, it is just like I explained. It's it's acting, it's athleticism, it's blended it into one. And you get to see these very intricate stories told not only outside of the ring but in the ring and i i feel like following that and following these journeys of these wrestlers of these really just real life people who are following their own dreams and portraying characters at the same time i don't know for me it just really tugs on to what i think a lot of us want and that's just to be able to root for somebody like everybody wants something to root for everybody wants something to believe in and being able to watch these real life people chase and go after and achieve their goals i think for me is what makes wrestling cool mm -hmm. and and you know you mentioned the um the you know chasing goals from a narrative point of view but it's always interesting to think pulling the curtain back and thinking perhaps about the motivation of the actual performer and seeing them chase their professional goals of like, hey, I want to be at the top of the mountain. I want to be, well, you know, known as the best technical wrestler. So there is obviously like a, a portion of of goal chasing that is also real when it comes to professional wrestling as well. Uh, my friend, that was a beautiful, beautiful answer. Wrestling is Thank cool. You. Thank you. Beautiful. Wrestling, wrestling is, is cool. Very cool.
So I think it's cool when people are not in your ear telling you that it's not cool. Dude, those those people are lame. And and the thing is, is that they, they can't ever give you a good reason as to why. The only reason I'll ever accept is, well, I just don't like it. I'm like, okay, fair enough. I can't. Listen, I, <laughs> what I've learned over time is that when people come to you and they try to tell you that wrestling is fake, a lot of times they're just trying to ruin the fun for you. And the reason why they are trying to tell you that wrestling is fake or they're trying to ruin the fun for you is because someone ruined the fun for them when they were younger. And either they haven't gotten over it completely <laughs> or they just feel the need to spread the miserableness amongst everyone else. And like, if I can't enjoy it because I know that it's not real, then damn it, you're not going to enjoy it either because now you know that it's fake or scripted. Even though I know that and I genuinely don't care because I watch it, I enjoy it, and I love it. And you can too if you get over that hump in your head. But they refuse to because the rest of society looks at wrestling as this frowned down upon fake sport. Something that it's trying to be something that it's not when it's being itself. I'll never get it. But whenever those people come up to me, I, I just have pity for them. Because it's like, I know deep down inside, you want to enjoy this and you're not allowing yourself to. So now you're coming at me and you want me to not enjoy it too. And I just think that's very sad. Very I love I, I love the idea of some Joker like character going around thinking that he's making life's mis uh, lives miserable by telling people that professional wrestling is fake. But my friend, I this was completely by accident. You were scheduled to be on the show well over a month ago, this particular episode. And when we booked you, I didn't know that it was going to be the episode right after the Royal Rumble. And I'm so excited to have you specifically. No disrespect to the previous guest host, because I watched the Royal Rumble from home, but you watched it live in the arena from Tampa Bay. So we're going to have a very unique point of view having you here on the show. First and foremost, I want to ask you about the environment of the weekend as a whole, because I know you didn't just go to Royal Rumble. GCW was there for a show. I believe you were at that as well. I, I saw you hanging out with the AJ Francis's of the world. Uh, tell me a little bit about what your weekend was like. So uh, before we get too deep into this, I don't know if you uh, peeped, but I'm actually wearing a nice shirt. This is actually Jade's WWE shirt, which I got right after the Rumble ended. Right after the Rumble ended, me and my friends were walking out of the stadium, and I said, before we go, I saw on Twitter, WWE dropped Jade's shirt. So it's got to be in a stadium store right now. We are stopping at the stadium store, and I'm going to find this Jade Cargill shirt. So there was a huge line forming outside of it, and I was like, why do I feel like it's not going to be in my size? It's either going to be two, it's either going to be a small or an extra, extra, extra large. There's always a bunch of extra large wrestling shirts left. But I get there and it's in my size. And I'm like, thank God I have a Jade shirt. I could say it. I'm one of the very first to have it because obviously you can go on WWE shop right now and order it, but it ain't getting to you for another two weeks. So I'm one of the first to have it. But <laughs> jokes aside. So yeah. I did go to the Roy Rumble. I arrived in Miami, Florida first. I stopped there on Thursday, and that is because I actually do work for an independent wrestling company called Boca Raton Championship Wrestling, uh, where I do their media, I do TikToks for them, and basically I just kind of help out on the, uh, the the backstage area. Like, I'm not really on camera or doing anything. It's it's kind of nice to be have, like, a behind-the-scenes role in wrestling, but at the same time, it's also, like, a little 
odd because I've been a fan for so long that being backstage and having to interact with these wrestlers, like, hey, so what kind of what kind of stuff are you playing down? You're, so that you're a chocolate enthusiast that's now having to make the chocolate. Yes, yes, and it's so eye opening. Mm-hmm. Like I'm every time I I've only done it like twice, but like every time I'm learning something new about the business from backstage perspective, and it's like, wow, this is what really goes on. There's a lot of politics that goes on in this thing. Y'all really aren't lying when y'all say there's a lot of politics. But um. Yeah, so that was the first thing I did on Thursday. And then the day after, on Friday, I took a six-hour bus ride early in the morning to Tampa, Florida. When I finally got there, I went to GCW Look At Me, which is a Game Changer Wrestling promoted show that was in the general area. And there was a lot of great talent on the show. You had Jacob Fatu and Zilla Fatu. They went up against the main event. You had Blake Christian and Leo Rush and Jack Cartwheel and Joey Janela and AJ Francis. Like, for me, at my core, even though I grew up watching WWE, I am somebody who's always wanted to watch other promotions, whether it be AEW or New Japan or even your local independent wrestling promotions. I'm always out to watch and explore and take in new mediums of wrestling. So being able to go back into GCW, which I haven't been to at that point in two years, was really fun and I enjoyed myself. And if you watch GCW look at me, you probably can see me on a hard camera side, like for majority of the show, because I was in like a particular area of the arena, which at first I didn't realize it was the hard camera side, but then I was like, oh, okay, well I got some here now, so. Hey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, damn, I wish I had a suplex sign up or something. But I'm like, nah, let me not do that. Let me not do that. Nah, that's but, corny, uh, dude. That's corny. Bro. Yeah. But promoing yourself, that's corny, dog. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah, no, let me not do that. Let me not do that. But um, yeah, so GCW Look At Me was really awesome. Oh, one of your boys, uh, Mr. Tusk, was mm-hmm. there. So I got to meet him again. He's really cool people, really cool people. Shout out to Mr. Tusk. Uh, the day after... On Saturday, obviously, was the Royal Rumble, but in the morning on Saturday was GCW's Effie's Big Gay Brunch. Now, my good friend Alejandro already had a ticket to that show, and I didn't really have plans to go to that show at the time. However, we woke up, we went to Waffle House, that was my first time going to the Waffle House. The food was mid, but I got—I can say that I've been to the Rumble before the Rumble. I'm going to stop you no. for one second because I know there's a, a listener out there being like, did I hear that right? It's called the Big Gay Brunch. Yes, okay. Effie's Big Gay Brunch okay. is what it's called. All right. I, they, I, I'm doing, I'm doing like, you, what? the listener, a favor because I, even I was like, is that okay? That's what it's called. Didn't know. I, I'm sure there's lore behind it. I don't know it. Yeah, yeah. So Effie's Big Gay Brunch is basically a, a humongous celebration of LGBT wrestling. Nice. So it's really everyone of all sections of, you know, the LGBT community and huge supporter part of it. So obviously I wanted to go and support, you know, that community. So that was nice to see. And the show itself was good as well. Um, So after Effie's Big Gay Brunch, then a few hours later, it was Dory Rumble which I got to enjoy. I got to see. Uh, I had the roughest time getting into the show. If you don't mind me going off on a tangent a bit. Please. So when it's I, wrestling is cool, buddy. Yeah, we just, we're here to cool. talk about wrestling. And it, it, I, I, can't, I can't share these experiences. These are unique. I'm here to listen and so are the people. Hell yeah. Wrestling is cool, except sometimes it's not. So when I got to the show, I got there like 10 minutes before showtime because there's traffic. Mind you guys. Always remember if you're going to if you're going to like a Raw or a SmackDown or a Dynamite, you can manage to get there like 30 minutes before showtime, 2015, you'll be all right. But if you're going to like a big pay-per-view that's in a stadium, 
you should probably try and get there like or leave an hour before the show is about to start or you end up like me getting there 10 minutes beforehand kind of get very close so i got in there i'm trying me and my friend are sitting apart from each other because we got our tickets separate so i go to the ticket services and i'm like hey is there a chance we can get our seats together and they're like not unless you pay Tropicana Field had some weird rules. They didn't do anything that wasn't electronic. If you wanted a seat upgrade, you had to go through the app and pay like almost twice as what you originally paid, which the whole thing through MLB was just so stupid. I hope they never go through that route again, WWE. Please don't. Uh, but they said no, and I'm like, okay, whatever. So we go to our respective seats. I go to mine. And mind you, I, I I try to advocate on my channel. I try to tell people about, like, you know, going to wrestling shows and where to sit and all this type of stuff. Because, you know, I, I want to share my wealth with people because I've been to over 60-plus wrestling shows. So what I know, I want you guys to know as well. Um, and I always am a big advocate for sitting in the lower bowl section. And if you guys have never been to a stadium or an arena before, there's, like, three sections. There's, well, four, technically. There's the floor. There's the lower bowl, which is the section before the floor then there's the mid row which is kind of like that balcony area before you get to the nosebleeds and then there's upper row which is the nosebleeds and i'm always an advocate for going in the lower bowl section because it's in, it's on like this elevated slanted platform you get a good view of the ring the tron or the crowd like you floor get to seats see suck unless you're near floor the front Yes, floor seats suck unless you're within the first four rows or unless you're really tall. But even if you're really tall and you're far back, you still just don't get the right experience. So I never recommend floor unless you're within the first four rows. If you're on a lower bowl, you're fine. One thing, however, I never really mentioned, and I'm going to mention this now because I ran into my first issue with the lower bowl section, is that you should never do the very, very, very last section of the lower bowl and i'm talking about the very top before you get to the mid row and the reason why you don't do that <clears throat> is because that last section before you get to the mid row right after you get there you have the suites and then you have the balcony of the mid row so when you're sitting down you just you can't see up because there's just a balcony above you so if you're mm -hmm. at a certain height you, you're, you're basically, I don't want to say it's obstructed because technically you can see straight ahead of you, but you can't see above this angle. Like the Tron so would become difficult to see because that's at the very, obviously yeah. that's in that top section that you want to be able to look up at. Yes, the Tron becomes difficult to see. If someone is tall in front of you, you're screwed now because you're at an angle where you have to kind of lean up and go like this. Or if you're trying to look to your left, you're, it, you don't want to be at the very, very pinnacle of the lower bowl section. Because I was, and then on top of that, you know, I'm a content creator, so I'm trying to like, you know, do vlogs and film myself. There was no lighting in the top section of lower bowl, <laughs> so it was just dark. And I said, "Listen, it's dark, and I'm black, so this isn't going to work for me." Okay, so I had. By to the go. way, that would be a surprise to our audio listeners. So yeah, apparently, apparently not. Uh, <laughs> so I go to the ticket services again, and I'm like, "Hey." I, I start saying that uh, my view's obstructed. I can't really see. And there's a kid next to me, which there was a kid next to me. And I'm like, hey, can I get my seat moved? And they're like, yeah, we can move you to section 300. And I'm like, mm. Se section 300. And I'm like, yeah, we're, we're almost sold out. There's nowhere else I can sit you. I'm like, but I paid for 100. You're trying to move me, not the next row up. You're trying to move me to the next, next row up. Like, 
you, you see how this is not working for me? And she's like, well, I mean, you kind of don't have much of another option. So, I mean, you can either take 300 or just be kind of assed out. And I'm like, oh, really? Okay, bet. So then I just basically waited until, well, well but at the time when I'm talking to her, we're about halfway through the Women's Rumble. So I already missed the first 13 entries. Oh, no. Yes, I missed the first 13 entries of the Women's Rumble match. I was very upset about that. But then I basically met up my friend and we went to this one section, which is like 139, which is kind of like straight across from the ring and the ramp. And basically that section was listed as obstructed viewing because Tropicana Field, I want to say it's a baseball stadium, but there was this big yellow pole just slab dab in the section. So basically a lot of people in that row were complaining that the pole is in the way of the ring and they can't see. So my whole, basically my whole row of that section and a few sections before that all were relocated because they all complained. So we got to sit in their section. And when I sat down, I'm like, I see what they're saying, but from the seat I'm sitting in, I the pole's not blocking my view. I can see the ring. I can see the Tron. I can obviously see the pole, but after 20 minutes, I don't see the pole anymore because I'm not focusing on it. So I just sat in their section and I enjoyed the rest of the show from there. So that was kind of like my little story about my whole getting there. I missed the first 13 entries, but I got to see Jade come out. I got to see uh, the beauty that was the women's rumble, at least from the latter half of it. And I got to see the rest of the show from a pretty good seat. And next to my friend, which dude, every, everything you just said there is why. And I, and I think this might be an unpopular opinion, especially uh, amongst content creators. Everything you just said is the reason why I prefer to watch wrestling shows at home than to actually <laughs> yes. go to the arena. I like going to the arena and watching house shows, but like a raw, and sometimes even a PLE, sometimes like I really need to be dragged by my teeth to to want to experience that live over watching it from home. Because the from home experience, I'm getting it exactly how WWE wants me to see it. Their intended mm -hmm. production is being fed to me. Meanwhile, you know, you go to the arena, you go, you go in person, you gotta sometimes deal with the, with with this bullshit, it seems. Yes, and l l trust me, traveling for wrestling shows or being live wrestling shows aren't perfect. At the end of the day, if you are going to a wrestling show, please understand you are a live studio audience, and that's mm -hmm. really all that you are. Yeah. So when stuff like that happens, you kind of just have to take it on the neck and decide whether you want to do something about it or kind of just be asked out. And I yeah. was like, well, I'm about to do something about it. So that doesn't happen every single time, but just be aware that not every single run is going to be perfect. So I, I have a question for you as somebody that was there in person, and I don't want to dive too deep into this because that's not what this podcast is about. But while you were there and while people were having fun, um, wanting to have a good time there, um, you know, whether it was the Friday night or maybe some people arrived on Thursday, there was like the, the, the news of the Vince McMahon leaks came out mm. and obviously Twitter was on fire. I'm very curious what the vibes were like amongst wrestling fans live in attendance you know in your vicinity what what was the morale like when all of that stuff was uh was being surfaced so i guess we should start from the beginning because the news leaked on thursday right mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure it leaked on thursday i think it was thursday that was yeah. when i was in miami and i remember seeing on twitter like wrestling news co like Vince McMahon like new lawsuit and I'm like oh here we go again with Vince and his new lawsuit and then I start looking through it and I'm like regurgitating I'm so I'm so disgusted I'm not gonna go over anything 
that said yeah and you can you can find all of this uh, it's, yeah, you it's can all find very it all accessible yourself. it's revolting it's disgusting it's unforgivable a lot of the stuff that he was doing uh there's a lot of different things you could touch on about this guy but none of it is good none of it is good so when i learned about this firstly in my head i'm like as disgusting as this is it unfortunately and sadly does not surprise me that this is the man this is, that's being accused of this stuff given some of the things we've seen on tv and some of the things he's been accused of in the past and some of the things we've heard about him doesn't surprise me in the in the least but it's still disgusting nonetheless so on thursday when it dropped i was next to uh one of my friends uh who we were working the brcw show together and i'm like re- I'm, i i want to read this to her but we're eating and she's like, yeah, no, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. I'm like, yeah, no, it's it's getting worse the more I read it. And, you know, we get to the show and everybody is talking about yeah. it. Everybody is talking I would imagine, about right? It. Like, I, I, this this was wrestling wildfire is probably the yes. best way to, to describe it. Yes, and I was basically saying, like, that whole day, I'm like, I feel like WWE is going to have to go down the same road that Tony Khan had to go through four months ago at All Out, where it's like you're in a situation where you don't want to have to bite the bullet. You don't want to have to be that bad guy, but something needs to be done. You know what I mean? You know, I don't, I'm sure Tony Khan didn't want to have to fire CM Punk the weekend of All Out while they were in Chicago because that's all people were talking about the day of collision, but it had to be done. And it's like, well, now, WWE is at a very, very, very nasty position because at a, on a weekend where we are going into one of the biggest shows of the year, the biggest show leading into the WrestleMania, nonetheless, a weekend where we just have a bunch of news dropping about The Rock and rumors about Roman Reigns, the Netflix deal, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, actually being on the board of TKO. He has a a position basically within and above WWE this same week when all this positivity is dropping and all the good attention is on you. And now it's being muddied and just everything's being torn apart by this, by this lawsuit, by this, by this smudge, by this dark cloud over your company. That is the chairman of your company. And it's like, how many more times are we going to ignore and pretend like this bad stuff isn't happening when now it's right in front of your face and there's details about the stuff that he was doing to this poor woman, allegedly poor woman. And it's like, you you can't not do something about that. Now, my thing was, I didn't think it was going to happen like clockwork the way it did. It happened way faster than I thought it was going to. I knew it was going to happen. I felt like it should have happened, but I didn't think it was going to happen as quickly as it did. So what I was saying was, they're going to have to do a all-out situation and get rid of him like as ASFP, but I didn't have my, I didn't have, I wasn't strong about that. And then obviously we went into Friday and I was at the GCW show I was. I don't remember what match it was. I want to say it was the tag team match between the Fatu. You know, this is how distinct it is. I almost remember the tag team match. It happened. I remember this happened while I was streaming SmackDown. I what you were about to say. Yeah, it was during the tag team match, and Muscleman Malcolm looked over to me and he was like, "Yo, Vince McMahon is fired," and I'm like, "You're kidding." you're 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 kidding and he's like and he shows me the. i mean he didn't get fired he stepped down but we we know what that means in corporate lingo listen 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 for anybody who said that vince mcmahon left under his own volition 
at the end of the day, Vince McMahon was a chairman. He was on the board. And when, when there's a when there's enough sponsors that are willing to drop you, when there's enough money that is falling out of your pocket, trust me, everybody on that board is going to be looking at you like, so uh, I might need you to have to get out of this room and go yeah. do something with your life. They, they, they you, were... you, you met, you're messing up our pockets. Yeah. Now. You, you had your little thing going on, but now you're messing with everybody else. So now you're going to have to get up and go. Yeah, That's they acted, basically what happened. They acted super quick um, after the Slim Jim news. It, as soon as the Slim Jim sponsorship fell by the wayside. They, they knew it was going to be a domino effect where absolutely. Slim Jim falls, then the next person falls. And you don't want to lose all your sponsors and be, be asked out because that Netflix deal is going to take you far, but it ain't going to take you far right this second. So if everybody's dropping out, you're losing money right now. So that's why they had to fix the issue right now yeah and i was shocked that like i said i was shocked that it happened so fast but i said you know what see ya goodbye <laughs> goodbye i mean there's no there's no teary eyes in this crowd at all i mean after there's gonna be the vince mcmahon apologists out there oh he gave us wrestling we wouldn't be wrestling fans without him at the end of the day you circle back to the man and what he's being accused of and everything he's did, and you can't just sit here and just ignore that because he innovated wrestling being cool to an extent. Like, no, like everyone has a threshold of what they're willing to put up with. And I think for most sane human beings, when they see the stuff that he's being accused of, this is not this is not stuff that morally should be sitting well with you. And you know what I mean? You can look at it from a bunch of different facets about, oh, maybe this woman and da da da. But it's like at the end of the day, this is just not acceptable. And him being gone is not only going to benefit the company, but I think it benefits the entire landscape of professional wrestling as a whole. Yeah, it was a shadow that was looming, of course, in the online space. I was just very curious how how looming it felt at these wrestling shows. And it seemed like it very much was. It very much yes, was a talking point. Everybody was talking yeah. about it the entire night. The entire night. I, I, you, that, that's one of the unique experiences of being at these uh, major shows. You're going to be surrounded by your kind of people, right? When the news of Vince McMahon broke out in my household and I tried to explain to my girlfriend, she's like, I, I don't care. I don't know any of this. This guy sounds like a disgusting piece of shit. Um, but, uh, you know, there's not that emotional, like conversation that i can have with somebody so it's, it's yeah. interesting that being you know, able to ask wrestling wrestling fans being able to ask wrestlers or then you know being able to even ask a couple people that work within wwe and AEW what they thought is just like holy sh and you're hearing a lot of the same people say the yeah. same thing all right. That's all I could say. Well, let's uh, move on to talk about more fun stuff. Uh, let's stick yes. to the to the Royal Rumble. Uh, the show, from what it seems at the very least, from what's being reported by the WWE, is that it was a smashing success, breaking all kinds of records. Honestly, I don't care about the financial side of things when I'm talking and geeking out about professional wrestling. I'm yeah, just they break records every single pay per view. It seems that way, right? Is it? It's is it really impressive when you do it every week? I don't know. Probably it probably is, but but that's not what I'm here for. I'm not here. I'm not a shareholder of TKL. I'll just say that. Um, curious, you know, being there live. What were your overall thoughts on the show? Were you without going too deep into any of the matches? Were you happy with the show? Yes or no? Um, I would say largely I was happy with the show from an experience perspective. Okay. Because I was there, I think I obviously enjoyed the show more. You know, being at 
a show like the Royal Rumble and being there immersed with the experience of watching that countdown and watching wrestlers come out, not knowing what's going to happen next. That's an experience you only can get if you are physically at the Royal Rumble. It's one of a kind. It's not like WrestleMania. It's not like SummerSlam. It's not like Backlash. Royal Rumble experience live is like nothing else. So for that matter, I largely enjoyed it. Uh, if I'm talking about just the show from a perspective of like top to bottom matches, winners, maybe like my own headcanon booking, I thought it was good, but like nothing great. Um, like the women's match was definitely my favorite part. Like I, even though I only saw half of it, I did get back, go back home and watch the other half. Obviously. I was going to say, I'm glad you did. Cause like those first 12 entrants are kind of important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I went home and watched, you know, Bailey coming out and then like there was a lot going on women's rumble and it was great but then it was followed up by the fatal foy which i thought was decent and obviously solo sokoa coming out is just repetitive junk that every bloodline roman reigns match every single one man it's so tired and i don't even want to hear the excuse of like well he's a heel what do you expect it's like dude doesn't need them that's it okay they're marketing him as the goat make him be the goat for a second or get creative because in the match right after that was one of the most creative heel victories I've ever seen. So they can be smart with it. They can come up with different ways as opposed to just solo coming out being solo. And you know, what was frustrating about that? The way the match continued afterwards, the solo and like, it was like, it didn't even happen. It didn't even happen. So it didn't even need to, be there he just sullied that victory for roman reigns in my opinion yes solo sokoa as good as a wrestler as he is when he interferes in these roman reigns matches and mind you we don't get many roman reigns matches as it is so when you get them and it's still this guy interfering and not i don't want to say ruining the match because it's not like the match is automatically bad because he's there but it's the same tired repeat finish every single time and it's like you start to wonder at a certain time you know why are these wrestlers just going out of their way to just take out solo sokoa before the match or the week before <laughs> that makes there were three of them in there that could that yeah, could have potentially helped with this thing. so there's three wrestlers in there and they can't take down this one guy yeah this this is this is part of what i love about wrestling starting to break down the ridiculousness of it because that this is definitely one of those i'll tell you like my experience from watching from home um if i'm starting at the women's royal rumble at the very least how it was presented uh as a tv viewer i feel like i can say with confidence that that is the greatest women's royal rumble i've ever seen agreed i agreed it was the best one they've ever done And I'm going to add a little bit of a caveat that this isn't a good Royal Rumble by women's standards. I think how it was produced, the narrative threads that were in there, the surprises. Jordan Grace is a once in a lifetime type of surprise. People try to compare this to Mickey James. We'll get to that in just a second. It's not, it's not even fucking close to that in any way, shape, or form. Between the, a WWE legend to someone who's never stepped foot in WWE in their entire existence is not the same. It's not, whatsoever. dude. Mickey James wasn't signed to Impact at the time. She was on a handshake deal. That agreement wasn't even between WWE and TNA. That was WWE and Mickey James. This was actually 
an effort by WWE to do business with TNA. That's mind bending. Between all of this, I think that's one of the best rumbles period that I've ever seen. I think it was so well organized. It was so well organized. The right winner. We had people coming back from injury, debuts, surprises, re-debuts like Naomi. To me, it was perfection. And yet somehow people are like, well, it didn't have Sasha Banks. And I'm very curious to get your opinions on this. Did this need Sasha Banks? No, it didn't. And you want to know why it did it? Because it was a great match without her. And that, that sounds harsh. That sounds harsh. And I don't want it to sound like I don't like Sasha Banks. It's just facts, I like Mercedes. Though. I love Mercedes. But I'm sitting here thinking about Naomi, Jordan Grace, Jade Cargill. Nia Jax had a damn good performance in the match. Bailey ended up winning the whole thing. I mean, yeah, AJ Lee didn't show up. But realistically, I don't think many people actually knew in their mind she wasn't going to show up. I was rooting for her, but I put it back in my head. She's probably not showing up. So let me just tear up my expectations. I wasn't even thinking about Mercedes Monet showing up that weekend. Like, I wasn't even thinking. Like, if she would have showed up, I would have popped huge. I would have been like, in my head, I'd been like, oh, yeah, it was always a possibility. But I wasn't even thinking about it. Like, I was just thinking about, okay, what are they going to do in this match? Because they only announced, like, what, five or six women out of 30? They kept the uh, announcements very short this year, and I enjoyed that. I hope they do it in future years coming. But they kept it limited. Uh, The surprises were there. Uh, I would have rather they had, like, maybe one legend and maybe make an extra NXT pick in there outside of, like, you know, having... Roxanne Tiffy? But... Yeah, yeah. And, Ro- <laughs> and it's the thing is, Roxanne is good, but she she played it. She was such a non-factor in the match. She, it was a wasted spot. I, I, mean? I it was surprising to me that they use um that they use Roxanne Perez to me. I really believed that they were gonna go. Uh, I said Tiffy. I, I'm like to me that makes sense. That is a character mm-hmm. that was even at the very least lightly introduced to the main roster fans with her feud with Becky Lynch. Exactly. And, and I thought the other one was Lyra Valkyria. Number twenty nine. Yeah, yeah, and I'm not the biggest Dyra Valkyria fan, but that's the person that dethroned Becky Lynch. It would have been interesting to see the NXT champion in there, throw it down with Becky Lynch. But we've seen Roxanne Perez before in the Rumble already, so. You know, I get the sense that Spot was probably going to go to Cora Jade before she got Oh, that would have been interesting, yeah. I think I, th- I get the sense it would have been Cora Jade's spot. So we already kind of talked about this already, but I need to hit this home because – there are people out there that do not understand how huge Jordan Grace appearing in that Royal Rumble is. I can say with confidence that this would never in a billion gazillion years happen under Vince McMahon. There's no way. And then people, like I said, throw out the Mickey James. She showed up with the impact that totally different, Hold not on. even close. What's up? Hold on. The only way this would have happened under Vince is if they bought out TNA. Sure. E- Dude, even then... I feel like he's just such a proud guy that he wouldn't feature any TNA people. You know, I say this, but also there's history of like Yushin Thunder Liger appearing in NXT black and gold in a one-off. Yeah. So like, I, I might be exaggerating Every once here. in a blue, it's the blue moon that would have happened. But their the champion fight. and to get offense on their... On and the, to get the championship on the actual screen with, yeah. the, with the title card and everything. It's, it's one thing when Mickey did it. It's another thing where Jordan Grace did it because like I said... Jordan Grace has never been seen on WWE. For all intents and purposes, Jordan Grace was an outsider. Yeah. Nobody knew who she was. And she got a pretty pretty decent, a good-sized pop, would you say? 
I, I would say so. It was audible. It, was, it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh my God, like yeah. Jordan Grant, like, because obviously the, the, the casual fan doesn't watch TNA. Yeah, they won't and know. I was going to say 90% of the people in the audience probably didn't know who Jordan Grace was. And that's But fair. they saw another woman and they saw a title that they've never seen before. And they're like, oh, who's this? Because even the lady that was behind me when I was, well, I was in line with was like, wait a minute, who's Jordan? Because people are like, oh my God, Jordan Grace is here. And they're like, who's Jordan Grace? And, I, and I'm like, oh, wait, that's... The, uh, and then I was getting pissed because I'm like, now I'm missing the match. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> oh, but, buddy, I but, still yeah, can't believe like you're dealing people. with tickets. Yeah, I am, unfortunately. I mean, not, not too much longer. Not too much longer. But yeah, that was one of the very few times where I had to buy a ticket and I dealt with it. Now, God, there have been many times last year where I didn't have to, but this is one of those times where I did. So... um Jordan Grace kind of alluded to this on Twitter that mm-hmm. this won't be the last time that you see TNA. And I think a lot of people thought that it might mean some men appearing in the in the Rumble. And then when none of the TNA men appeared in the Rumble, they thought that maybe she was trolling. But I think I'm reading a little bit deeper into things and I'm considering the option that this is a deeper partnership where maybe some WWE guys go down there. Maybe there's a collaboration between NXT and TNA in some capacity. Like to me, it's not a crazy thought to think that AJ Styles might want to go have a run over there, right? It's not crazy to me that maybe Moose wants to try and take out, you know, a Braun Breaker and try and have a match with him. How deep do you, th- obviously we're speculating here. How deep do you think this partnership could actually run? So I think for myself, because here's the thing. I'm not a journalist. I'm not a news reporter. However, I did speak to like two people in TNA and I'm like, from what they told me, I have a good perspective. Of, I think what's going on here. So I'll tell you what I think first and then what I, what I heard and mixed in with that. So what I think is that this WWE TNA working relationship is WWE trying to see what this market of working with other promotions might be looking like in the future. Maybe they saw AEW doing it and now it's benefiting them and they're getting to a place where it's like, you know what? Maybe if we dabble in some other toy boxes, we can actually use and poach some talent for ourselves without having to sign them. Kind of like from a business perspective, that's definitely how they're probably thinking about this. But in another sense, it's being able to have another pool to bring in talent and have people interact with it now in the back of my head i'm also thinking that wwe is not going to send their talent to you unless you are sending talent their way like there's no one side where wwe is helping you you got to be helping them first so jordan grace coming over if anything does more for tna than it does for 100 yes her being in the rumble match was awesome for her in tna however that spot could have went to 30 of the women that WWE has on file. So that does really, does, doesn't really do anything for them, if that makes sense. However, it does something big for TNA. And then on top of that, because she got such a good reaction and that's hammering home the WWE that, oh, maybe we can use her again, that, that's a good thing because now we can open the door for potentially another woman from the TNA Impact Wrestling roster coming in or possibly another TNA wrestler coming in to work a pay-per-view or ple or a match here and there i don't think we're going to see a spot where we're seeing talent trades and tna under the i don't think it's going to go that deep or that far and if it is we're years out from that point but this is a good stepping stone now 
I don't cite my sources, and I've spoken. I speak to people in basically every major wrestling company, not to tell to my horn anything. But from the two people I spoke to in TNA, what it seems like right now is WWE is toe dipping with TNA. They are more or less experimenting with Jordan Grace and seeing how WWE fans react to it. And then if this if this works and they're seeing this might actually be a thing, then we might actually start seeing like another person come in and make an appearance like WrestleMania or something like that. It's it, I think right now it seems like there are very light stages of a working relationship. There's nothing set in stone. There's no ink drying up between TNA and WWE. This is just very early stages of what could be something in the future. That's I, really I do I hope say. it's something. I do hope it ends up becoming something I in the think, future. I think it will become something, but we're in a very, very early yeah. stage of it. Well, heard. maybe we can look back on uh, this episode maybe in a couple of years and, and, and see really how it's evolved. Um, so we talked, we gushed a little bit about the the men's uh, the women's rumble. Men's rumble, on the other hand, it's, it wasn't necessarily my favorite. What I really want to talk about is the ending sequence with CM Punk. Now that more news has surfaced that he tore his tricep, I think a lot of people owe that man an apology in terms of saying, oh, he's gassed, he has no cardio. And look, I'm not saying that he, he didn't look gassed out there, but this man worked a final 10 minute sequence with Cody Rhodes with one arm. I think we need to give him a the very least a little exactly. bit of respect, exactly. but CM Punk is one of my favorites of all time. And it is tough seeing your heroes break down. It's a tough, it's a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. See, I said to uh, a meme the other day, Sanjay. Yeah. Man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You did, man. Um, <laughs> what was the, what was your thought watching CM Punk live because when I was watching it from home my reaction was that they were trying to reenact the 2007 Royal Rumble with that like 10 minute match at the end between The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels and I think that they may have asked a little too much of what perhaps CM Punk had left in the tank and I think in note it, it was visibly noticeable sadly yeah, uh, well, you sh it should be noted that CM Punk got injured during a spot with Drew McIntyre. Mm -hmm. Which makes this match. actually more impressive that he did that entire 10-minute sequence with exactly. Cody on one arm. <laughs> These wrestlers are Teflon. I don't know how they do it. I stub my toe and I'm on the ground convulsing and <laughs> contemplating my life. These guys are working with torn labrums and broken foots, but beyond me i don't know if i could ever do that they're strong with beyond belief um seeing cm punk in wwe first of all when i heard his theme song kit and i knew he was going to be there but it was surreal because it's like i'm in a wwe pay-per-view and cm punk is here i have never seen cm punk wrestle live on wwe television and if i did you know what I'd have to go back and check the WWE 2008 Slammy Awards because that was the first ever wrestling show I went to. But if he was on that show, that was the very last time I saw CM Punk live. The first and last time, which was 15 years ago. That's surreal, and if man. That's not, and if it's not that, then this is my first time seeing him live. Oh, mind you, I have saw him live at least four or five times in AEW. 
but seeing him live in WWE was just like, what? I'm seeing him live in WWE right now. So when he came out, I, I popped out. It was huge. I wore my CM Punk shirt. I had to, I had to support. I had to rub my all-time favorite or whatnot. And when he got out to that ring and he was going at it, I was happy. I was excited. I saw the spot happen with Drew McIntyre. I didn't think anything of it. He didn't look hurt. And maybe I wasn't paying enough attention to him in that spot because there's six other things going on. But when it came down to Punk and Cody in the final two, and they're working this seven, eight minute long match, I'm sitting to myself and I'm like, okay, Cody did this with Gunther last year. And that works because Cody and Gunther are like a wrestler's wrestler. Like their motivations are beyond a championship. Like they actually want to be the greatest wrestler there is. They're trying to, they want to work. That's what they're about. Even even though Gunther's a heel, he wants to work. So that makes sense for them to have a seven, ten minute long final two skirmish in the final two. That makes sense. Cody and CM Punk doesn't really make too much sense especially because cm punk this is his first match back in wwe and if you want to believe wwe's error sure of his AEW run this is his first wrestling match back in 11 goddamn years <laughs> you mean to tell me this guy's gonna work a 10 minute match because he wants to i don't really buy that so that story when you think about it doesn't make too much sense especially from but like cody yes but when you throw punk in there that doesn't make sense mm-hmm. punk should be trying to throw cody out and win the damn match not trying to have a full-on fighting contest with them. That's probably how you got hurt because you tried to do too much when you think about it. Yeah. Um, but Cody Rhodes and CM Punk going at each other and then the final two, three minutes of them just trading finishers, I was getting frustrated. I'm like, what are you guys doing? I was doing? frustrated watching at home, actually. I, yeah, Like, it was GTS and then Crossroads, and, then G- and it was slow, too. GTS, Crossroads. GTS, Counter, Crossroads. Counter, GTS. I'm like, what are we doing? Just... Just throw them out. Why? Why are we trying to finish? <laughs> like the lady behind me was like, "Can we wrap this up? I'm tired." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm tired too." Like, what the? And then CM Punk goes for the GTS, and Cody catches his foot and just throws it. It was the most anticlimactic finish to the match. It was. <laughs> it, it, I, I was like, I was shocked that he won, but I was also shocked. Like, wait, wait, wait! You just threw him out like that, like with the Jade and. I love the final three with Jade and Liv. That was all, aw- dude. That was brilliant. Like, it was brilliant because Liv takes Jade off, and then within five seconds, Bailey works so quickly and drop kicks her off. Like you only had five seconds to process the final two before Bailey just kicked her off. Yeah, and she won. And I'm like, holy shit, that was awesome. Where it was like the men's final two was like, wait, that. It was a slog, man. It was a slog yeah. to watch at home as well. It was it was a it was a march to the finish. Yeah, Put it that way. It was a march to the finish. So, rumbles, correct winners or no? I'll go first. For me, Bailey, correct winner. I think it's a brilliant choice. Uh, I I could have bought a, a few other people and I would have been fine. Uh, you know, if they're trying to sell me the narrative on Liv Morgan or Becky Lynch or Nia Jax, I would have been honestly kind of fine with her winning with just how good she performed in there. But like when I look at the narrative threads that are placed in front of me, um, that was a situation where two plus two just equaled four. You didn't need to get too crazy with it. I think Bailey was the right choice. After processing what's happened with all of these injuries, I question whether Cody Rhodes was the correct choice. I don't hate him winning back-to-back rumbles. 
I will say this. It feels a little bit sacrilege to win back-to-back Rumbles, mostly because I've been watching wrestling since 2002, and no one has won back-to-back Rumbles since I've been an avid watcher of professional wrestling. So it just feels wrong. It doesn't feel like it should happen. But yet we look at the 90s, and it happened more often than not in the 90s. I guess I'm okay with the choice, but... (laughs) Yeah, I'm okay with the choice, but I still think Gunther would have won. And in hindsight, with all these injuries that are happening, I think it would have saved a lot of a lot of headaches to just have Gunther win. Okay. What about you? Right winner, uh, wrong winners? Yeah, so Bailey, absolutely 100% the right winner. I thought she was really the only person that should have been winning. Obviously, like you said, there's Becky and there's Nia and there's a lot of stories, but Bailey was the only person that should have been winning. Because I said the entire weekend, people ask me, who do I think is going to win? And I would always say, I want Bailey to win. And I say want to not, I think because Bailey for the last two years has been a serial loser. Yes. So true. She loses everything. Everything. And then, you know, she's a giving person. But to break for putting people over, but like she loses on TV, she just loses all the time. So it's like it's hard to buy her winning something that big when you're never winning to begin with. So I'm like, I want her to win, but I don't know if she's actually going to. Becky says the better odds of winning, if you ask me personally, but I'm rooting for Bailey. Let's go. And she won, and I was like, fuck yeah, let's go, Bailey. The men's rumble match, Cody Rhodes. Here's the thing. Um, I I think Cody was the right now. Looking back on how this all went down, had CM Punk won, they would have been super fucked. So obviously, Cody winning was the best in terms of the final two. Now, should Gunther have won the Rumble? Now, if you would have asked me, Suplex, six months ago, who do I have win the Royal Rumble? I would have said Gunther. If you would have asked me two months ago, I would have said Gunther. I only started saying Cody Rhodes maybe mid-December. Maybe mid-December. I was a huge proponent that Gunther should win the Rumble and he should challenge Seth for the championship of WrestleMania and beat him, whether without or with the IC title. If you want to put double titles on Gunther, go ahead. He's a juggernaut. I would buy into it right away. If you want to have him drop the title to Chad Gable or Ilya or whoever and then go after Seth, good. As long as he beats Seth, I'm good. Or maybe he doesn't win, he goes against Brock, okay. But it's like, okay, well, now Brock is out of the picture, so Gunther, I think, is a screwed on all sets. So when you really boil it down to it, I think Cody was the right choice in a sense that getting to Roman Reigns versus Cody Rhodes 2, following the metric of how it is going in the past where Shawn Michaels won twice, he lost the first Rumble. I mean, he lost WrestleMania the first time he won the Rumble, but then won the second time. Stone Cold lost the first time, then won the second time. And I believe Hulk Hogan did the same thing. So it's like, okay, Cody's going to have to follow that pattern in a sense. If that, does that make sense? Like yes, he's yeah, following yeah. The pattern, You know, lose first, win the second time. Could they have gone a different route? 100% they could have gone a different route. Cody could have won the chamber. Cody could have beat Solo Sokoa. But him winning the Rumble, you know what? It makes sense. Could they have gone with somebody different? I would have took Gunther. But I'll I'll take Cody. I like Cody. I think it works. I don't want to see him win a Rumble ever again. We don't need a three <laughs> whatsoever. This is your, consider this your last Rumble ever being won. And 
I hope he makes it all the way and wins this time. And by mm -hmm. hope, I mean there is no other option. You made it this far. You've already put your eggs in the Cody Rhodes basket for a second time. I don't see what benefit you get out of having him lose. So he obviously is winning a WrestleMania. He can't, he can't lose this time. There's he can't. No, no way. benefit to him losing. No, none. Nobody can be sitting here telling me, oh, Cody hasn't gone through it. Because that was what we heard last year, right, Santi? Yeah, yeah. yeah. going through enough adversity. Okay, well, now it's round two. Is it enough for you yet? So I don't want to hear anybody <laughs> saying, oh, there's not enough. No, it's enough. I've had enough of Cody and this finish the story nonsense i love him but i had enough of that i've had enough of roman's reign i've had enough of a lot of things so i need them to wrap this up and we can move forward yeah get to the I ninth inning era, already this this era of roman reigns and a bloodline i loved it i lived through it and i will always have it in my heart but everything needs to come to an end this needs to come to an end there is no benefit to roman reigns breaking Hulk Hogan's record. It is nothing but a number on a website and a number on a stat sheet. Who gives a shit? It's so true. Hulk Hogan's record. In the grand scheme of things, it does nothing. He just holds the title for even longer and people want him to lose even more. And then it's like, okay, so Roman is still the champion come September. Now what? Cody's done. He lost twice. What's the point of running it back a third time? Yeah. So Cody's done. He's beaten majority of the roster already. Who else you got lined up for Roman Reigns after Cody Rhodes? Be like a Bobby Lashley, that... maybe. But he already beat Bobby in like a triple threat. I mean, he didn't pin him, but he still beat him. I mean, can you name it, it, one person credibly who he hasn't who hasn't beat who hasn't lost it, to Roman? Here's yet? the thing: it's just like it's it's just time for it to end. You know, they say yeah. that it's time to finish the story. And people, when I say that, they think I'm talking about Cody Rhodes. I'm I'm talking about the bloodline. It's time to finish the yeah, story. It's time it's to done. finish the bloodline. It's, it's, it's over. It's curtain. It's and done. the people are saying, oh, Jey Uso. Nope, they closed the book on it's that over. at SummerSlam when he lost. It's it's curtains. Let I, things... People were saying Jey Uso should win the Royal Rumble. I said no. Jey Uso should not be going to WrestleMania and beating Roman Reigns when he had the story already set in May from last year and then we just halted it all of a sudden and now they're focusing on Jimmy and Jay and now we're going back to Roman. No, it, no, Cody was the only person that made sense. Let it end. You mentioned that uh, had CM Punk won, things would have been uber fucked. So I want to lay down the, the groundwork for you. So this is the road to WrestleMania, the bumpiest road to WrestleMania that I've seen since WrestleMania 32. We have an injured CM Punk. We have a Charlotte Flair that's injured. We have a Kevin Owens that's apparently dealing with a broken foot. We have Seth Rollins who has a noodle for an MCL right now. I know that he's in rehab and he says that he's going to wrestle. Rehabs can go wrong. We have real life drama that's keeping Brock Lesnar now probably off of cards moving forward for, for probably potentially for the end of time. So exactly. when I look at Elimination Chamber, Elimination Chamber seems to be the most unlucky uber fucked pay-per-view that i've seen in a very long time no roman presumably no seth no co uh no no lesnar no punk what the hell is going on here what are they gonna do can they salvage elimination chamber with such a depleted men's card can they really build this around rhea ripley to the point where they're the audience there is going to be okay with none of the major championships being defended because apparently Gunther can't even go. What are your thoughts on what's going on with Elimination Chamber in this road to WrestleMania? So here's the thing. 
Uh, Road to WrestleMania, going into WrestleMania itself, you still have a good two months. I think WrestleMania could still be salvaged because within those two months, WWE can expedite quite a few men and quite a few women to a spot where they can actually be on a card and it makes sense. People tend to underestimate just how vast and in-depth and large the WWE overall roster truly is. It doesn't seem like it because there's only a few people in the main event spot and only a few people go after Roman Reigns and only a few people go after Seth Rollins, but no, it is very deep how how intricate that roster goes. I mean, Shinsuke Nakamura just a month ago was feuding with Cody Rhodes. Obviously, you could slide him in there. Is he ideal? No, but if you need to, you could slide him in there somewhere. Sami Zayn, still over. You could still slide him in there somewhere. Drew McIntyre, has a re-sign yet? The, the three Guess people what? that lost to Roman, there's three main eventers right there. Exactly. You still got LA Knight. You still got AJ Styles. You still got Randy Orton. Drew McIntyre has a re-sign, but guess what? He was flaming CM Punk up, and I love it. <laughs> so you could do something to Drew McIntyre. You still got Logan Paul. You still got Ke- Kevin Owens, I think, is injured, so mm, give or take. But you still got so many other people on the roster, not to mention the NXT Cubs. You can have, obviously, Aaron Braun Breakers going to SmackDown. You obviously could tra- call up Carmelo Hayes. You can call up Ilya Dragunov if he drops the title to Trick Williams. There is a lot of things they could do going into WrestleMania that can salvage it. So though it sounds screwy right now because they're missing some top guys, it can still be salvaged. And at the end of the day, they are already sold out WrestleMania. So mm. they don't have to worry about, oh, we're, we're strapped for cash. We're selling. Like, no, you sold the seats. Now you just got to build the card up. And obviously your card is in shambles and you got to remold it in a short period of time. But it's not impossible. Yeah. Especially I, when you have writers, it should not be impossible. Yeah. I mean, two months is a plenty amount of time to build someone as a credible top person if they aren't in that position at the moment. It is more than enough time. Like uh, people were saying, oh, what, what about Gunther and Brock Lesnar? Would I have loved to see Gunther, Brock Lesnar? Absolutely. But Brock Lesnar can't is be what here. it is. Is what it if, is. If Ilya Dragunov drops the title to Trick Williams next week, guess what? He oh. can go to, he goes to the main roster. That's already a few that's set in stone because Ilya Dragunov is the last person to beat Gunther. So there you go. Ilya versus Gunther for the IC title. There's your IC title match. Uh, Logan Paul, LA, LA Knight's over. So LA Knight versus Logan Paul. There's a US title match. Roman Reigns and Cody Rhodes is already there. The World Heavyweight Championship scene, that's going to be a bit of an iffy one because Seth, we don't know if he can go. Punk obviously can't go. So Elimination Chamber, Maybe we might consider putting the World Heavyweight Championship on a line in a chamber match. Maybe that's a some fact we should start considering. Like, there is ways you can go, obviously, with the women. You have Jade and Bianca. That's That's That has to happen, right? That has yeah, to happen. Jade, that has to be the main Jade match. Jade and Bianca. Naomi's bad. You could throw her in there somewhere. Nia Jackson, Becky Lynch is still available. Obviously, Rhea Ripley is the champion, and she can go up against really anybody in it'll fit. Uh, obviously, you have EO and Bailey. Like, the women are fine. I feel like Charlotte being down is okay. Charlotte's down. It's a big name, but like, they're very vast in the women's division. It's the men that you have to be a little etchy about. But like I said, there's cobs you can make and there's people you can move around and it'll be fine. Elimination Chamber, you might have to worry about that a little bit more because that's three weeks away. But like I said, if Seth Rollins is not ready, and here's the thing even if Seth Rollins is ready, Unless you're doing Seth versus Drew, which we've already seen twice, 
unless you're doing Seth versus Drew for a third time, in which if Drew isn't re-signed, then why on earth would you have Drew win? So you're just essentially doing a third rematch with the same result. Then who would Seth face that really is making sense? Because Seth is hurt and he can't actually be there to wrestle and have that few. I mean, he could be there and speak, but like there's you you can't really do much if you're hurt already. You're basically just rehabbing in the allotted time you have to get to WrestleMania and maybe do that one match and then go back to rehab. So Seth is essentially holding the title just to drop it at this one show. Or you can just say, hey, listen, things aren't going to be expected it to. It's probably best for your health that you rehab anyway. We're just going to have you drop the title and we'll put it on the line in Elimination Chamber. Whoever wins that, they're the new World Heavyweight Champion. Or maybe you have Damian Priest cash in, in the after the match is over and then you have the person who won the actual title in the match versus Damian who already cashed in at WrestleMania. I just said that on the fly. Like, there you go. There's stuff already that can be curated. So it's not impossible for this to be salvaged. Yeah. It's just going to be a lot of thinking. A lot of overnights are going to be done. A lot of sleepless nights, possibly. But it can be done. Listen, done. I'm of the mind that the only reason that even with this injury that Damian Priest didn't get a chance to cash in on Seth Rollins is because of the possibility even if rehab could potentially go wrong the possibility of seth rollins still being able to go against cm punk that was just such a marquee match now that that's completely out the window i think that we can i would prefer personally just that like even though i'm a fan i would prefer for seth to drop the title and go take care of his knee whether it's yeah. cash in because that because the punk Seth match, that was the thing that we were clinging on to clamoring for everything else that you mentioned, uh, Seth McIntyre, what if it ends up being Seth Gunther, these are things that I'm okay waiting for. And I yeah. would prefer now that the punk match cannot for sure happen. I would prefer for Seth Rollins to have to drop the title as soon as possible so that he can 100%. go properly, go have his surgery, not some, uh, you know, rehab that we hope is able to, to work. Maybe, I don't know. See, maybe I hope works when the end result is a potential punk Rollins match. Hoping maybe is not something that I'm willing to bet on if it's just Seth McIntyre at WrestleMania. You and know what I'm saying? I, said, I had a feeling that it was probably going to be punk and Seth and then Steph would probably just go right back into rehab. Like, I don't think Steph was going to be ready to go after that match was over anyway. Yeah. Like, he was just waiting for that match. And the thing is, now that that match for sure isn't happening, the sad reality it may have already set into Seth Rollins, but that main event is no longer guaranteed to you anymore because there is no other match Seth Rollins is going to have that is a guaranteed main event slot. And that's the sad reality. Punk needed Seth. Seth needed Punk. And now they don't have each other. So their main event is basically... Like it's dwindling off. It could happen with Seth Rollins, but it is a it it's it's scarce. But why it's why but why risk him? it? Why risk it for not the punk match? You know, you know exactly. what I'm saying? It's so scarce, and it's like, okay, well, that spot can easy go to Bailey versus Eo now. Like that spot could easy go to Jade versus Bianca. Bianca now. That spot could easy go to Ilya versus Gunther. Now, like, there is no Seth match that is going to warrant a WrestleMania main event. I'm sorry to say, but Punk versus Seth was the only main event of night one, and that's gone. So Seth probably is just better off dropping the title and rehabbing because you're, I don't know what you're fighting for at this point.
I don't think there's. I I don't want to be that guy. I but I, I, I hate that we said it out loud. I don't think there's much to fight for yeah. at this point. I hate that we said it out loud, but I, think I don't want. I don't want to say it out loud either. But yes. But, but I I think it's 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 the adult thing to do here at this situation. If we, I was willing to gamble and risk it. If like I said, if the end prize was Punk versus Rollins. But the end prizes that are available at this moment, I would just rather for him to have his proper surgery. Not worth it. It's just not worth it. Uh, But that's the thing, man. What's the old saying? Man plans and God laughs. We had all of these awesome plans set out. Oh, my goodness. Back in early December, this is the greatest media card we're ever going to have. I I said on Twitter, man, no one's a bigger troll than God when it came to (laughs) Seth Rollins and CM Punk, man. He said, oh, wait a minute. Y'all actually thought you could possibly get this match because Seth is out? Well, I'll just nerf CM Punk's pack. So now you're definitely not getting this <sighs> match. Like, yeah, no. God's planning is something else. <laughs> well, uh, let's start to wrap things up. This is the cool segment of the week where each of us bring a thing about professional wrestling that we think is cool and we gush about it. I'll keep mine nice, short, and sweet. I want to gush about uh, the Trick Williams chance when he made a run-in to save um, Carmelo. One of the things I was nervous about is, uh, you know, I don't want to be that guy that calls people that only watch the main roster casuals, but that's kind of just a fact. They're the more casual of the fans. More often than not, the people on Twitter that are the hardcore, it's a vocal minority. But most people ain't aren't watching NXT. Way back in the day, been back in the day, I mean like seven years ago. But back in the day, there was a subsection of wrestling fans that watched NXT and nothing else. They didn't watch Raw. They didn't watch SmackDown. Yeah. It was just, just black and gold. NXT. Now I don't think those people exist anymore. And if they do, they're a very minute group of people that only watch NXT and don't watch Raw or SmackDown. So there is only the inverse, in my opinion. There are people that watch Raw, watch SmackDown, and not NXT, or you watch all three. There are no people that only watch NXT. And if you are, please show yourselves in the comment section because I don't know if any of them still exist. <laughs> you should be watching NXT. NXT is a great product, by the NXT way. NXT is great, but I don't know if there's anybody that just watches NXT. Now. No, no, I don't think that exists either. Um, one of the things that makes Trick Williams special, aside from the fact that he's... The man is just... Six foot four of charisma. He is just so likable. He just wins over the room whenever he's just there. I think it's the best way that I can explain Trick Williams to those that don't know Trick Williams. But the reason why he's in my cool segment of the week is his run in to save Carmelo. And shout out to the fans that knew the job. They knew to chant whoop that trick to his theme song. As it wasn't as loud as I would have liked, but it was loud enough. And that tells me that Trick Williams is cool and is starting to slowly transcend that coolness past NXT into the main roster world. Okay, here's the thing. I 100% agree with Trick Williams being cool. He is the shit and everything. But what frustrates me to absolutely no end is that we had a 30-man Royal Rumble match and I was there and I heard the crowd saying, whoop that trick in the hall, <sighs> in the arena. And out of 30 slots, there was none for Trick Williams in that match. I will never forgive WWE for giving Pat McAfee <laughs> a waste of a rumble spot 
but not putting Trick Williams in that match. I can't forgive Triple H for it. It's one of his biggest crimes of 2024. It can't was a it, it was a miss in can't my opinion. It. I really thought Trick Williams was going to be in that Rumble, uh, especially after that run and literally the night before. I, I thought it was destiny, but. Hey, at least we got a little bit of Trick Williams on the I main roster. Mello, but I feel like he should have been over over Mello. Oh, oh, I, I like that. I and honestly, that could have it added looked, to their. I, I that, love, I love Mello, but he should have been in over him because Mello went in there and he just sold the whole time. He didn't really yeah. even do much. But here's anything. the thing, too, that would have actually added to their storyline exactly. in NXT if it was Trick exactly. and not Mello in in the Royal Rumble. So it really is highway robbery that we didn't get a Tropicana Field or whatever that stadium is called. Whoop that Trick chant, Suplex. What did you think was cool this week? Uh, well, there was a lot of things that happened this week that were cool, and I ha- got to be there, experience one of them, and like I said, I have it all. For for audio listeners, he's showing the Jade uh, the Jade Cargill shirt. Yes, Jade Cargill uh, debuted at the World Bowl, and it was cool for me because I got to see Jade's entire run in AEW, and there was something special about her aura. Now, we I think most of us can agree that she was not the best in the ring. Some might even say she was bad in the ring. I wouldn't go that far. I don't think she was bad. Maybe in the beginning she was bad, but she got better over time. And I think she grew into a very decent wrestler on a very, very, very best day. Good. Um, but she had this aura unlike any other woman on the AEW roster. And when she left, we had a feeling she was going to WWE. And to WWE she went. She debuted on NXT. Was it Gold Rush? or one of the? It was one of the NXT premium live events. She debuted it was Gold show. Rush. It was Gold Rush. It was Gold Rush, okay. She debuted on Gold Rush, and then the week after that, she was on Raw, and then the week after that, she was on SmackDown. And she was just kind of bouncing around for a bit. No, no one knew where she was going, and we just knew, oh, she's this big deal. Like, she's she's this, she's that. And then she just disappeared out of thin air. We didn't see her again. And it was kind of this out-of-sight, out-of-mind thing, was it not? Because I'm not going to lie to you. I was not thinking about Jade Cargo going into this show. I should have been, and I should have expected it as a mark, but I wasn't thinking about it because, again, out of sight, out of mind. So when she came out number 28, I lost my mind. I'm like, holy shit, Jay Cargill is in WWE. She's in the wearable match. And then she came in here, and she's throwing out people left and right. She came in here, she lifted up Nia Jax, and that was cool in itself. But then, you got to remember something. Nia Jax has been in every single women's dribble match since 2018. And every single time, it's always a big group of women throwing her out. They're all working together. It's like seven, six of them. But no, Jade Cargill, in her Hulk and Andre the Giant moment, just fireman carries her up, walks over, and like Cesaro and fucking Big Show from WrestleMania 30, <laughs> dumps her over the top. So of, good. I will tell you, in the arena, everybody was just like... Blown, blown away. It was electric when she dumped her out of the ring. I couldn't believe. I mean, obviously, I could believe it because she's that damn strong. But like, I couldn't believe it. Like, she just single-handedly eliminated her. And then another dope spot from Jade was this double elimination spot where Naomi ran at her for the. Oh, she ran at her to do the. Uh, what was the it? rear view? The, the rear view. She catches her. Swings her and Naomi kicks Becky and eliminate. She el- indirectly eliminates Becky with Naomi. Twist and throws her. I said, "What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> she she one shotted Becky and Naomi in two seconds. I'm like, 
This is how you establish somebody. Like, within, like, 10, 15 minutes, Jay was, like, the most important woman in all of WWE, and she didn't have to do too much. And I saw people online saying, oh, they were patting her down, and she didn't really get to show on me yet. Obviously, it wasn't a fucking singles match. You gotta wait to see that. It's a Rumble match. But it was a damn great Rumble debut. It's one of the best... First of all, I think it's the best women's Rumble debut ever. And I think it's one of the best, like, maybe top 10, top 15 Rumble debuts I could think of in recent memory. I Because no agree. one that comes in there and just roundhouse. Was she eliminated, like, six, seven people? Dude, like, I, she eliminated it a was, good amount I, of people. She eliminated a good chunk of the field. I do have to give props to WWE for their fantastic narrative in that show of building Nia Jax as, like, unstoppable for uh-huh. the setup of Jade Cargill. Brilliant. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. She had her Drew McIntyre moment. That's the best way that I can put exactly. it. Exactly. And this is why I always say, and we people say this all the time, they say it when Vince, like, oh, WWE doesn't know how to create new stars. That is not true. WWE knows how to create new stars when they want to create new stars. WWE at its very best does stuff like this. They do stuff like Drew in Wormble 2020. They do stuff like Shayna Baszler in Wormble 2020. They do stuff like uh, Braun Strowman in the greatest Wormble eliminated 13 people. They will do stuff and make stars overnight when they want to. Yeah. So don't 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 believe this narrative. They don't they can't make new star. And I think that the narrative has died down a lot since Triple H took over two years ago. But no. When they want to, they can. And they made Jade a star overnight, I think, going into uh, wherever show she's going to be on. I would like to assume it's going to be like Raw. I mean, she wasn't on Raw this week. I thought it was going to be Raw, but I think it makes more sense to have SmackDown now if the plan is... Whatever show Bianca's on. That's that's what I'm thinking, right? Um, Raw got Andrade. I think SmackDown gets Jade, I think makes sense. Yes, and I, I think also they're getting Braun is going to SmackDown, so Je- SmackDown's starting to look up. SmackDown's yeah, starting to look yeah, up yeah. Braun. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. All right. Well, folks, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wrestling is Cool. If you listened this far, you probably liked it, so make sure to give it a like on YouTube. Give it a good review uh, on whatever podcast service that you might be listening to. And as always, make sure to check out the projects and the channels of our guest host. Uh, Suplex, this is your time to pimp out whatever it is that you might be working on or any pages that you want to direct the people to. Hell yeah, hell yeah. So, if you guys don't know, my name is Suplex. It's only been said multiple times throughout this stream. That's S-O-O-P-L-E-X, two O's, not one U. You can follow me on TikTok. You can follow me on YouTube and Instagram. Going into WrestleMania, which is in my hometown, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, I will be making more content centered around people who are looking to go to the city of Philadelphia or people who've never been to a WrestleMania because this is going to be my third consecutive WrestleMania and my fifth wrestlemania weekend so i have a lot of experience about how to navigate not only wrestlemania weekend but the city of philadelphia so my content on instagram and tiktok or youtube is definitely going to be centered more so around uh navigating wrestlemania weekend from a fan perspective starting in february and going into obviously april so if you're looking into that maybe you don't know where to buy tickets or you don't know where to go like where to go in a city for food or like you I'm going to be your guy going into WrestleMania weekend. So I put it that way. Uh, I had a, a venture called Wrestle Travel, which I am still working on. Uh, one of the things that I had to halt on is the name because I was going through some trademarking issues. So 
it's just gonna happen on the suplex channel for right now uh but also suplex covers wrestling i cover travel in the aspect of what's going on right now i also talk about movies a lot so if you guys are big movie cinephiles like myself please make sure to stay tuned to suplex on tiktok because we're covering more movies more movies going into the new year and yeah that's that's all I have to say. Apparently, veteran suplex over here, you know, giving the reins over back to Santa. <laughs> <laughs> well, folks, again, please make sure to uh, support our guests, support wrestling content creators. Go check them out. Everything will be down in the description of wherever it is that you're listening to this episode. Thank you very much, Suplex. Thank you very much to the listeners. Have a wonderful time and have a great day and do something nice for somebody. Goodbye, everybody. Have a good night.